Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. I am going to read from the, the book of Romans, but you'd be <laughs> glad to maybe know that I'm not reading the whole book. Uh, we're just dipping into uh, chapter 8, so if you wanted to turn to there in your Bibles uh, just now, that would be uh, great. Um, you know, in our world today, uh, there's, there's very little hope, isn't there, around? Especially uh, as on our news, we see for the people of Ukraine, their hope is fading by the day. Um, but there is such a theme of hope that people search for hope. People look for it. People want hope because we all need hope. And it's the theme of many great songs and stories. Psychologists would tell us that hope is good for our health. And someone said, if you lose hope, somehow you lose the vitality that keeps life moving. You lose that courage to be, that quality that helps you go on in spite of it all. And so today, I still have a dream, said Martin Luther King Jr. But how can we find real hope in our lives? Something that's more than just hoping against hope or wishful thinking. I mean, how could it possibly be good for you to hope in something that's actually false? When we were young, we had those uh, fairy stories read to us. They were always stories of hope because children's stories tend to have happy endings. They all lived happily ever after in those stories, didn't they? But then we grew up and we realized that not all stories were like that. And in fact, sometimes it seems that life is not like that. Just as the situation in Afghanistan showed us. And perhaps it seems to be unfolding that sometimes it appears that the bullies are winning in this world. And lots of adult stories uh, tell us to, to give up the childish notion that it will be all right in the end. And yet, in the hearts, I feel, of, of everyone, there is that thirst for hope that surely it will be okay in the end. And just as, as our physical thirst points to the fact that there is water that can quench that. So when we thirst for hope, it points us to the fact that there is a reality that it will be okay in the end. And of course it comes from God. God is the God of hope. Uh, some people would say, no, there, there is no hope. Just get used to it. But Is it perhaps because those people have not found that hope that comes from trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or maybe even worse, that they don't want to find it. And if I say there are no spiders in my bedroom, all I'm really saying is I can't see them at the moment. You know, several years ago, there was uh, an experiment that was done uh, on rats, on Norwegian field rats. uh, And this was done in the uh, University of California at Berkeley in the United States. 
The rats were put in a tub. Sorry for anybody who really loves rats and finds this offensive, but this is what they did. Um, I'm not saying don't, don't do this at home, uh, kids or anyone else. But the rats were put in a tub of water and forced to swim until they eventually grew exhausted and drowned. And during the first experiment, the researchers were, were counting what's the average time. And the average uh, time was that these rats were able to swim in the water for about seven hours. And then they were just exhausted. They gave up and they drowned. And then they did a second experiment, which was very interesting. And it was just like the first, except uh, when the rat was seemed to be getting to the point where he was really tired, they lifted the rat out of the water just for a second or two, and then they put him right back in again. It was terribly cruel, wasn't it? But this amazing thing was that those rats the average time that they went swimming in the water and kept going and going, they went on for 20 hours before they got exhausted. And the researchers concluded that the rats in the second group were able to swim much longer. Why, why was that? They said that even these rats had hope. You see, these rats were rather like you and me, if you don't mind me saying so in that they had experienced a rescue. And so they had hope that they would be rescued fully once again. And isn't that like us as believers in the Lord Jesus? Our hope is built on the darkest of days, as we've been remembering. It's on that dark day that Christ died on Calvary. Our hope is founded and founded and flows out of that. And of course, it comes from that bright day three days later for the fact that the Lord Jesus rose again from the dead. And so we are those who have put our faith in the crucified Lord Jesus Christ, who have put our faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And yet there's a tension that's there in our lives because we have, like those rats, we've experienced the rescue. God's kingdom has come and we've experienced that in our lives. And yet it's still to come fully. We're so aware of that in our world. Things are not as they should be. We are redeemed. And yet we're still waiting for the fullness of that redemption. We're saints and yet we and other people are so aware that we're still in need of being made holy. We're sons by faith in the Lord Jesus. We're sons of God. And yet we're waiting for the fullness of our adoption. We have been given the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he's the deposit that guarantees the fullness of our hope. That for us as believers in Jesus, it will be okay in the end what keeps us going in our lives surely it's the hope that we have in christ let's turn to god's word in romans chapter 8 romans chapter 8 and we'll begin reading in verse 9 and so paul says to the believers in rome you however 
are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And let's read verses 38 and uh, 39 as well, which says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are people who have hope in our lives because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of what he has done at the cross, because of the fact that he's alive. And Paul says here in this passage that those who have the Holy Spirit, they eagerly expect a number of different things. They eagerly expect to one day see and to meet 
our true Father. And so we cry by the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father. We have that recognition, and it's the Holy Spirit in our hearts that assures us that we are children of God and that we can call him Father. And of course, as you well know, that, that word Abba comes from the, the uh, Hebrew or the Aramaic language that Jesus spoke. And it's the closest expression of Father. The very first word Father that the little child would say, and yet a word that continued for, for all of their lives. A word that the Lord Jesus used about his Father that he used even when he entered Gethsemane. The Lord said, Abba, Father. And the wonderful thing is that Christ brings us to the Father. He brings us and he assures us that his work at Calvary is going to break down all barriers. Jesus told his disciples, the Father himself loves you. And we see that at the cross. And the Holy Spirit assures us that we are God's children. And some of us have been blessed with good earthly fathers who model our Heavenly Father. Some haven't. But whatever, one day we'll all be welcomed and embraced by our perfect Heavenly Father. If we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, we're assured that welcome. He's the one who welcomes prodigals who turn in repentance and come back to him. That's the picture. What will the reality be when we are brought right into the presence of the Father? And Paul says that not only uh, do we eagerly wait for our adoption of, as sons, but we're eagerly waiting for a renewed world. This world, even the world itself, is not as it should be. All around us, we see floods and fires. We see wars, persecution, pandemics. And Paul says that the very creation itself is groaning. It's waiting for something. It's waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Why is that? Well, it's because when the fullness of our salvation comes, that this is going to be in the context of a redeemed creation. And so the scriptures talk about a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells because creation itself is going to be liberated from its bondage to decay. And even what was done to creation by God himself in bringing that curse, he did it in hope, in the hope that one day it would be liberated from that bondage. And when will it happen? Well, of course, it's when Christ returns. It's when he comes in power and glory. When earth's true king comes back again, then everything, even creation, will be set right again. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, Adam was told back in Genesis chapter 3, 17, cursed is the ground because of you. 
Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, for from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. A terrible curse that was there on the ground, and sometimes perhaps worse than others, but our whole creation is is cursed with thorns and thistles. Life is a struggle, but one day it won't be a struggle anymore. Creation itself will be set free when the sons of God, those who have trusted in Jesus, when we're redeemed, we'll have a new world that will be set free from that curse because Christ has come. He hung as the one who was cursed to be hung upon a tree. He bore the curse. He paid the price. And through his death, the curse on creation is broken. And so he has the right to set it free. He has been cursed and broken that curse for us. And so we read when we get to Revelation 21 and verse 5, the one who's seated on the throne says, I am making everything new and we get into revelation 22 it says no longer will there be any curse isn't that something worth looking forward to and the holy spirit helps us to eagerly look forward to these things but those who have the spirit as well not only when will we be in in a new world But praise God, we will be fitted for that new world because, as we see in this passage here, we'll have a new body. These bodies that we have are are mortal. It reminds us here in this passage, we're subject to death. But our, our hope involves the resurrection of our bodies. And so Paul says it's not just creation that's groaning, But as believers, we're groaning too because we realize that in so many ways, at so many levels, things are not as they should be. But we are to be eagerly waiting for our adoption as sons. And the Holy Spirit stirs these thoughts in our hearts. He makes God's word come alive to us. And we are waiting for our adoption as sons. Of course, we have been accepted through Jesus and brought into God's family, we do say, Abba, Father, and rightly so, because of all that Christ has done. But we're looking forward to our adoption as sons, which will mean the redemption of our bodies. Not just freed from uh, an old body that's uh, subject to decay, but with a new and resurrected body. And so just as Christ was raised in glory with a new uh, body that was different than before, so we too will be raised with new bodies. And so here in verse 11, we see it says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, is he living in you, brother, sister? Is he living in you? If he is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies 
through the Spirit who lives in you. So there's two different levels that that's going on, I believe. We have that new life in us presently, even now by the Holy Spirit. We have that new life. That's, that's the new life that Christ brings by the Holy Spirit. And yet we're eagerly waiting for something more. We're waiting for the fullness when we'll have a glorified body made like Christ's glorified body. And that, I believe, will be the work of the Spirit to transform us in that day so that our body will be renewed. So whether alive or dead, we'll have those transformed bodies to live in that new environment, the new heaven and the new earth. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42? The body that is sown is perishable. Even if we do go through death, the body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. Those who have the spirit look forward to a new home, meeting the Father and with a new body. But we also, having the spirit, we eagerly uh, expect that new earth to be really home for us. You see, home is the place where you belong. Sometimes you go somewhere and you feel like, I don't really belong here. Am I, am I supposed to be here? Am I allowed to be here? But when you're home, that's the place where no one can say, what are you doing here? You say, I live here. This is my home. The thing is, we're never really at home in this world, even when you're in your own home. We're never really at home wherever you go in this world. But there is a home that is being prepared for us. Because Christ, and through his death on the cross, when we get to heaven by God's grace, and it's only by his grace, no one will be ever able to say to us, what are you doing here? Because you'll be able to say, it's my home. Christ paid for it on the cross. What a wonderful thing. And so we eagerly expect that. And the word that it uses here is that we're heirs. We have a right. We have a right to be there. We're heirs, heirs of God, it says in verse 17, and heirs, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. The right to be in that new uh, and that renewed heaven and earth, the right to be there, to be an heir, comes from that regeneration that comes when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're to focus our minds and our thoughts that, that we would long to be where Christ is, that we would long to be where he receives all the glory and the praise that's due to his name. But for now, our task is to live in this old world that is cursed and that's full of evil but we're to live in a different way we're to live as citizens of heaven knowing that our citizenship is not ultimately here on this old earth but it's in the renewed heaven and earth 
Our citizenship, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3 and 20, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That's our hope. That's our expectation by the Spirit that he has put in our hearts. Because ultimately, those who have the Holy Spirit in their hearts are eagerly expecting the one who loves us. You had that verse up on the screen earlier, didn't you? Did you catch that? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And those verses at the end of the passage, that's the answer, isn't it? Nothing. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God for our experiences of human love and kindness around us. It's wonderful when we have people around us who love us, our family, brothers and sisters in the Lord, people who encourage us, people who do kind things, who help us when we go through difficulties. But we have a deeper love that nothing in this world can have prepared us for when we experience the fullness of God's presence and realize the height and the depth of his love. That's the end of the story. And yet it's an end that is an endless end that goes on and on for eternity. Praise God, there is a happy ending for everyone who puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a deep longing inside us to be perfectly loved. There's a deep longing inside us to say, there should be happy endings to stories. And praise God, there is a happy ending for those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of the greatest stories end with weddings, don't we? Right from those fairy stories, from Sleeping Beauty and so on, to Lord of the Rings, it ends with a marriage, such a picture of joy. And God's story as well finishes up with a marriage. Human marriage is a wonderful thing, but it's supposed to be a picture. When it works well, it is a a good picture of the reality of God's love, of the love of Christ that led him to Calvary, that he would lay down his life for you and for me so that we could be where he is forever. And that's the greatest love story. And John says, when we get into uh, Revelation 21, John says, I saw the holy city in the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning 
or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And by the Holy Spirit we say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, may that day come. But what's our response to be to such a great message of hope that grips our heart by the Holy Spirit whom God has given us? How are we to respond? First of all, remind our hearts, Christ is our hope and he is our only hope. That's why there's, so, there's such a lack of hope in the world because many people don't have Christ. And we can lose sense of that hope as well when we take our eyes off him. But remember that Christ is our hope and he is the only hope. Without Christ, people are condemned forever because of their sin. There's no hope for those who do not have the spirit, who don't belong to him, as it says here because they haven't put their trust in him. For them, it is hopeless. There is no hope. But praise God because of Calvary. For all who put their trust in him, have you repented of your sins and trusted in Christ's sacrifice at the cross? Then know that there is hope for you. And as Peter said on the day of Pentecost, that those two things that happen in our lives, when, when we turn in repentance from our sin, when we turn to him, that we receive the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for that new life that bubbles up inside us because we put our trust in the Lord Jesus. But for those of us who have believed, let's not live according to the sinful nature. This is the import of this passage as well, that we, we have an obligation in how we should live. We're saved by grace, but we ought to live by the Spirit. And so to not follow the old ways of our sinful nature, the old ways of the flesh, because that is the way of death. But the obligation we have is to put that to death, the misdeeds of the body, the temptations that we have to say no and it's by the help of the Holy Spirit that we turn away from those things in our lives and live as people of hope. But also we're called to not live as those who are slaves to fear. The fact that we cry, Abba, Father, is the antidote to fear. When we're fearful in our lives, and sometimes we have to admit, fears grip our heart. But the reality is that we need to turn our hearts back to the fact that we, by faith in the Lord Jesus, are sons and daughters of the living God. And so as we pray and as we cry, as we say, Abba, Father, may the Lord take our fears away. May he help us to know the truth of God's word, that our lives are secure in the Father, that our hope is certain and so because of that don't just live for today don't be satisfied even with the here and now even with the good things that are there in our lives but let's keep our eyes focused on Christ's coming again and the hope that we have in him
A young man went on an, an outreach program and he went to work with the homeless in a large city. On Monday morning, this is the first day of the program, uh, the helpers arrived all keen to get going in helping the homeless, but uh, they were surprised to be asked to hand in all their cash, uh, their credit cards, uh, anything they have had of value. Uh, and they were dropped off in the middle of the large city with instructions that they were to just live for that week as a homeless person. Um, and so this young man got dropped off into the city. And like many other people on that city, they had nothing. And they were depending on soup kitchens and the generosity of other people. And this was to prepare them to be able to, to, to reach out and to understand those who, who were, were homeless. And it was a hard lesson to learn uh, and learn a little bit of what it was like to be homeless. But the thing is, the, the, the guys who were on the program to be helping the homeless, they weren't actually homeless. Uh, and so in many ways, they were unlike the other homeless people on the streets. What was the difference? They had hope. Their hope was at the uh, arranged place on Friday evening, the minibus would be there and pick them up. They would be you know, saved, rescued from their, their helplessness that week. And so uh, as the week went on, and things got tough, uh, this young man said, I kept reminding myself, it's okay. Friday's coming. It's going to be okay because Friday's coming. You know, we need to be like that because we are not like the other people in this world who may have no hope because they haven't trusted in Jesus. But that's not the case for us. We're different. We're people of hope. So let's keep trusting in Christ. Let's keep living by the Holy Spirit. Let's keep longing for something better. Let's keep looking for Christ coming back. Let's keep meeting together and encouraging one another. And let's keep going because Friday's coming. We are people who have hope through the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God.